What's up, guys, and welcome back to TCP Podcast. This is Tyler Clark with TC Performance, and I appreciate you guys for tuning back in as usual. Please take a second to just review this thing, share it with somebody else, give it a five-star rating, anything and everything that you can do with the show. Please just take a second and do it. It goes a long way. I appreciate you greatly for it. Appreciate you guys for tuning back in. Uh, So this week, just a solo episode, wasn't able to get a guest on, Um, working on getting some guests for you guys coming soon, Uh, but it's just me today. So I want to... I want to take this episode to sort of reflect, but then also talk about three big takeaways and then a couple bonus points that I had from coaching at the college level the last two years. So before I get into the three big takeaways, I do want to reflect just on the last two seasons in general and kind of what happened um, between both teams and what we were able to accomplish and, and everything like that. So starting with last year's team, we were able to create history. Uh, we brought home the first ever national championship in school history uh we were able to win the uscaa national championship division two and that was pretty incredible it was incredible because as a player i was able to go there two years the two years that i played at smcc um but i never got past the second round so i had never won been to the final four or the championship game uh, or two even thought about winning it so the fact that we were able to go there i was able to be a part of it as a coach on staff um, it was it was very incredible. It, it was it was cool to be a part of it. It was cool to see how hard the guys had to work. Um, you know what I mean? Breaking down film, uh, figuring out what worked best for our team, like what created the most success for us. Right. What was our our margin of error? What do we need to do in order to get this win? Um, and in all honesty, I think that a lot of the guys probably didn't think that we were going to win. And I don't want to sit here and say that I thought we were going to win the national championship, but I thought that we were good. Um, but then whenever we got to the national tournament and started playing, you could tell like we were, we were playing really well. The first round was kind of a grinder, but, uh, we ended up winning by, I believe it was 10. So we didn't win by too much. It wasn't a massive margin there, but we had to, we had to grind for that one. And then the second game, all these games are back to back to back. Uh, we didn't have any rest. So that second game, we played the number one ranked team in the nation. And we thought that was kind of as far as we were going to go. Uh, but we went in, we got together the best scout report possible um, on one night's notice. Our associate head coach, AJ Burton, does a phenomenal job with that kind of stuff. He was up later than he probably should have been and then earlier than he should have been as well, just breaking down film and making sure that the guys had a good scouting report and were as prepared as possible. And ultimately, I think that it, I mean, clearly it worked because we won the national championship. But this team, uh, Penn State, Monalto, they had the player of the year. Um, they had some other all, All-Americans on the team, and obviously they were a very good team in order to be the number one team in the nation. So, again, we thought that it was going to be a lot more challenging, uh, to put it lightly, but we, we, we went out there and we smacked them off rip as soon as we started. I believe the highest lead we had, it was like, 19 to 2 it was it was pretty clear cut what the outcome was going to be at the beginning like yes there was a chance that they could have came back but they they just didn't we were able to completely shut down the player of the year uh shout out jack jack pazinski um he like goose egg completely shut him out he didn't he didn't have a good night to say that um and we ended up going on to beat that team by 25 i think it was a pretty decent margin there um so to a a game that we all thought was going to either be very hard or honestly not even going to win we ended up winning and after that win we were kind of like all right 
like we could really do something and we ended up playing johnson and wales uh in the championship and that game was was the toughest game of the entire tournament as it should be but um very very physical team uh we didn't get very many calls our point guard was getting thrown around they were using a lot of hands we we weren't getting many calls we didn't get to the line very much but thankfully conversely they did get to the line but they didn't convert so they did not shoot very well from the free throw line um we had a lot of foul trouble two of our starters fouled out one of our guys almost first off the bench ended up fouling out so it was it was a roller coaster of a championship game but ultimately our point guard played really really well our starting two guard or three guard sorry ended up having a double double our conference player of the year big man ended up pulling in however many boards like he he had a, he had a good night as well so we ended up pulling away with a with a win and bringing home the first ever national championship in school history so a little bit of a recap there um this was last year and before we went to the national championship we ended up winning the conference championship uh in the ysec and that is obviously an important accomplishment as well that was the first one that we had won in i think five years so it's it was it was just a great year and i've mentioned this before in previous episodes but it was it was a pleasure for me to be a part of that staff a part of that team um it was also a unique and cool experience for me because at least five or six of the guys that were on the team last year i played with personally um so they were my teammates and for me to come back and be their coach uh, i have my reservations and you know, naturally, I kind of thought, were they going to respect me? Were they going to respect what I brought to the team, what I brought as a trainer, as a coach, as every position that I held, every hat that I had on, whatever you want to call it. Um, but it was great. It was great. I built even better relationships with them. I built good relationships with the freshmen from last year, which obviously bled into this year. Um, it was it was just a great overall experience for me. And I was just happy to be there, happy to be a part of the team and play somewhat of a role in that success. Um, And then, so to talk about this year, it was another successful season. We didn't win the national championship, but that does not mean that we failed the season whatsoever. We ended up winning the conference championship. And that was the first time in SMCC history that we had gone back to back since 2008. Um, So back to back conference championships, that's very hard to do. Um, especially this year, there was a lot of parity within the conference and really one through seven, anybody could have won it in all honesty. Uh, the seven seed actually upset the one seed in our playoff tournament. Um, and from that point on, it was kind of like, wow, like we genuinely, like it could have gone anyway. We were, we were lucky to get out of our first round matchup because we lost to the team that we played on our first round literally the week before and they were a five seed. Um, so, you know, even five seeds, six seeds, seven seeds were competing against the top three teams in the conference. Um, so no game was easy, especially in the playoffs. And at one point, you know, this team specifically from this year, I'm super proud of because one, I feel like I was able to build a really, really good connection with almost everybody on the team. So obviously that plays a role, but we went through a lot this year from a mental standpoint, from a physical standpoint, we had a lot of injuries. Um, and we went through this weird span of time where we just lost like six straight. And that was super debilitating. Mentally, it was hard to get out of that. Um, physically, we were drained. We, we were just drained in general, and it was just a rough patch for us. And ultimately, we ended up coming back around and winning when we needed to, and that was in the playoffs. Uh, we ended up run of the table and we we won our conference championship which was great we went back to back 
Um, one of the guys that I've been working with since last year, so two years now, Jack Pazinski, shout out. Um, he got first team all conference, second team all American. So it was cool to see the success that, you know, we had been putting in since last year. A lot of that came to fruition. Um, a lot of the freshmen stepped up from last year, sophomores this year. Um, it was just, it was just cool to see and it was cool to be a part of. So enough of my reflections on the, the last two seasons, let's get into the takeaways. And the first one, the first big takeaway is trust and buy-in equals everything. And a lot of what I'm going to be talking about is from a team perspective, um, because that's my experience from the past two years is being within a team. But this can also be applicable to a gym that you're owning, to a group that you're training. It doesn't just have to be an actual sports team. It can be your group or it can be your business or it can be whatever. So don't just think of this as a team aspect thing. Think global, think bigger than that. So first one is trust and buy-in equal everything. If you trust your staff, if you trust your teammates, if you trust the people around you, and truly buy into what you and the people around you are trying to accomplish, you're going to have success. And that success might not look like a conference championship or the biggest pay raise or what, whatever you're seeking. That success will look different for everybody, but you'll be successful with that group. You'll be successful in general. Um, trust goes such a long way and the buy-in, not just to the people around you, but the the way that SMCC did it and the way that our head coach, Coach Richards, does it is every single year he does a retreat before the preseason commences. And he basically, like, we go over what our team standards are, what our team goals are, what our culture is going to be, what we, we it's going to look different for every single team, what that culture looks like, what the team goals look like, what everything looks like specific to that team. So he has, obviously, with the help of himself, me, the associate head coach, and all the other staff, we all kind of help them figure out what that looks like specifically, but the team writes out their own destiny and they are then held accountable to what they want, right? If they want to be the best defensive team in the nation, okay, well, you guys wanted that. We're going to hold you accountable. They paint their own picture. They create their own destiny. So that's great. And then whenever you do that, now you need to be bought into that. What, what needs to happen in order for you to get that done, right? So the team that you're a part of, the people that you're around, you need to trust them, right? And one thing that I feel like I've done a really good job with the past two seasons is one, I've brought a different expertise and a different skill set to the program in general. My expertise behind skill development and player development, but also the sports performance aspect of things. And what I do really well, and I'm not trying to be cocky or anything like that, but I do a really good job of building trust and building buy-in to what I have to offer. The stuff that I do isn't necessarily traditional. So sometimes it might be hard for a person to buy in because it's not traditional and it's not what they're used to. So I feel like I do a really good job of making these players feel comfortable and seeing results early so that they then believe in what we do and buy in and trust me as their coach and their player development guy and their sports performance coach and all these different things. So the big aspects within this whole equation like how do you build trust how do you build buy-in to me the biggest aspect of building trust and building buy-in is psychological safety and i've used this word before it's not just a buzzword like it's it's such an important term psychological safety and it's not just this new generation or new era of oh let's talk about our feelings no 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 that's not it you need to feel psychologically safe in the environment that you're in 
any environment. This can be at your job. This can be in school. This can be with your team. This can be with your trainer. If you feel psychologically safe, you are going to get the best out of every single situation, right? In any training session, in any practice, in any whatever conversation, if you feel psychologically safe, you then feel comfortable and safe enough to ask questions, to try your very hardest, to trust the people that you're communicating with and trying for, right? Then you then you get bought in. But when that psychological safety is stripped away and you don't feel psychologically safe, you will quite literally leave gains on the table, right? Like you're not going to speak up. You're not going to ask questions, which again, are going to leave gains on the table. In practice, if you don't feel psychologically safe enough to speak up and ask a question, you're not going to ask a question. Then you're going to mess up, which the mess up isn't the the issue. The issue is that you're not speaking up now. So why would you speak up in a game whenever it's crunch time and you see a something that could be manipulated in the game but you don't want to speak up because you don't feel safe enough to speak up right or in a training session you don't want to push harder because you don't feel psychologically safe to make a mistake in front of somebody these are the kind of things that i'm taking into account that i feel like i do a good job i feel like i create a psychologically safe environment now the next aspect of building trust and buy-in is constant communication and check-ins right we had 17 18 at one point on our team this year I made it my mission. I made it my goal to try to communicate and check in with every single individual on the team. And that looked differently for every single person. It could have been before practice or after practice or a text after practice or before practice. I just made sure that I always had communication, like constant communication with the guys. And that's not just, hey, how was practice today? Or, hey, how was your day? No, no, like we had in-depth conversations like, hey, like I know some things are going on back home. Like, are you good? Just a quick check-in and sometimes it's a full-on therapy session and we talk for an hour other times it's nah bro like I'm, I'm good I appreciate you for checking in and that's all they need right but being able to constantly check in with them and communicate is huge they feel like you care they feel safe enough to speak up and instead of you coming to them and asking how they're doing at some point there's going to be a turning point and they'll probably end up reaching out to you and seeking whatever they need. Like if they just want to talk, if they just want some help, then whenever that starts to happen, you have a really good relationship with this person. And then the last thing to kind of build trust and buy-in is just show them results, right? In training, in sports performance, and whatever it is, if they want to increase their vertical or if they want to get stronger or they want to have like move better on the floor and shoot better and all these things, help them get to that point, show them results, and then they will absolutely trust you. They'll be bought into what you have going on. So the first big takeaway is trust and buy-in equal everything. If there's not trust, if you're not bought into the system, you're not bought into the people around you and what you're trying to accomplish, you're just not going to be successful. And that does not just go for team sports, goes for everything in life, really. Now, the second big takeaway is specific to basketball. And you could say, we'll just keep it at basketball for now, but you can obviously do this in other sports, but film. Film is so important. And last year, I watched some film and broke down some film. But this year, I, I broke down a lot of film. Um, I broke down a lot of film on the opposing team. I broke down a lot of film for our guys, our team. And it was just probably the most valuable tool in season that we had all year. 
And specifically, whenever you have these long, stressful parts of the season or the year, like if you have three games in a week or you have four games in a week or you have a back-to-back or you just have a stressful week, a stressful part of your schedule, and you know, okay, well, I can't really get that much on-court training in. I I might be able to get some shots up, but it's not going to move the needle forward much. It's not going to make much of a difference. We could lift. We could do recovery, which recovery may help. But at the end of the day, film will help you the most, especially when you can't be as physically active as you'd probably like. You can't just go pound away in the gym or on the court and get as many reps and as many hours in as you want because ultimately you're not going to be fresh enough for the game. So you want to be as fresh as possible physically, obviously mentally and cognitively too, but watching film won't drain you mentally or cognitively to a point that you can't perform. So film is one of the most valuable tools in season, especially while you're broken and you're not feeling great physically like focus on your recovery and your rehab stuff and watch film that might not be the point in time or the point in the season to lift heavier or to lift more or to get more on-court work in obviously it depends on your role and who you are on the team if you're not playing any minutes at all you could probably get some more time in the gym you could probably get some more reps up but if you're a starter or you're a six man or in that top eight rotation Maybe you don't need more reps in the court or in the weight room. You just need to watch more film. And the reason why it's so important is because there would be a lot of times where as a team, we would break down film. This is what we're doing wrong. This is what we're doing well. And then immediately get on the court and apply what we just saw on film onto the court. And we would see a lot of transfer that way from a defensive standpoint, from a team aspect, just like tactical X's and O's. We would use a lot of film for both offensive and defensive purposes but defensively it was great because we saw a lot of a lot of things for example like we got backdoor a lot in one one game this year immediately we were able to see it on film and we talked about it before film but then seeing it it's like okay well I see how out of place I am and I see that okay if I am that too high up help side needs to be rotated more and whenever that help side rotates we need to drop down another defender now we're in scramble mode right or I just need to figure out my placement on that person that's getting backdoored i can't start so high up i need to take a step back make sure i'm still in arm's length and i can get back for a closeout but i can't allow this person to get backdoored and it was just such a valuable tool this year especially for teaching purposes because a lot of people are visual learners especially nowadays and then for a skill development standpoint especially in the playoffs when again we're not able to really lift as heavy as we want or do crazy workouts on court a lot of the sessions that i did on court especially in the playoffs were very very precise very short sweet to the point working on specific things that the person was already good at we're just trying to refine now right so shooting off the catch or finishing a little bit with contact or finishing footwork these different things touch around the rim specific actions that we see a lot especially in the last couple of games that they're missing or hey if we do this you can get an extra two three four five points next game or you do this like next game you're you're killing right these little things that we can tweak just through watching a film and a lot of times i would just pull out my phone or my laptop show them a quick one two three clips and then immediately go work on it on the court it's super easy and it's super super efficient to just have that on hand have that accessible to you you have video on your phone right just make sure you do the work early watch the film break it down just clip it up for the person in front of you you can set it to them and then talk about it in person and then just do that same exact thing that you talked about on the court and then talk through it, walk through it, whatever you need to do, like do your skill work how you need to do your skill work, 
but the film is the is the important part you can see okay this is what you were doing wrong and then whenever they're still doing it wrong if they are refer back to it yo like this is what you were doing wrong we're trying to get more to this point right film is just such an important tool and this year specifically showed me that so definitely utilize film more if you're a college basketball player definitely but even if you're in high school if you have access to film start breaking that stuff down and it's such a valuable tool especially in season the last big takeaway from the last two seasons is the power of our mind i mentioned earlier how this year we went through a six game losing streak and when i tell you that we were broken down mentally we were broken down and this year i was able to see some things from mental and and in a cognitive standpoint that i've never seen right like i believe in believing in yourself and i'm a spiritual guy and i believe in meditation and visualization and all this stuff manifestation but seeing it with my own eyes and being able to provide this team and these guys with some tools and sessions and talks to to talk through basically let's believe in ourselves right here like whatever we're doing on the court clearly isn't working right now so we need to change and we need to also change our belief system we need to change what we're thinking we need to change our mental approach to the game we need to change something so what that was for us this year was taking a step back and i'm not going to take credit for this of course because they did the work but there were a handful of times where we did a lot of visualization and specifically after those six games that we lost you know i i took a minute one we had a big group talk as a team um and i thought that was very very impactful and it and it was very valuable um but nonetheless what we did from a mental standpoint was i i had them visualized right basically we just we started off with breathing um just intentional breathing breath work and we did that for about three minutes just to get in a very deliberate state of mind um, focused and intentional with what we were thinking how we were breathing and then right after that i had them bring some pens some paper um and then for uh, again two minutes i just wanted them to close their eyes and then visualize right at this point we had two games left until our playoffs officially started so we didn't have much time and if we lost that first playoff game we were, we were done so we needed to figure it out soon so within those next two weeks right visualize what we need to do visualize exactly how the rest of the season is going and be extremely extremely specific some of the guys got very specific some of the guys had never really done it so it wasn't as specific but the fact of the matter is that they they tried and they did visualize so for two minutes they visualized the team success some individual stuff like as much as you could possibly in, uh, visualize in two minutes they did and then i had them write it all down right so it was just another minute and a half or whatever they needed two minutes to to write it down exactly what they visualized and then we run around the room we talked about it and a lot of the guys were saying like i i see a championship i see this i see that and some guys got specific with scores they said hey i see a championship and we're gonna win 58 to 42 or whatever the score was and that's what I needed, right? I needed them to, to visualize, genuinely visualize and see the success, see the score, see who was scoring, see the fans, feel the basketball in their hand, feel the sweat dripping off of them, like feel and see and visualize all these things and use the brain, right? Manifest success, visualize success. And they did right it was very very powerful it was it was almost spiritual it was it was incredible to be a part of i'm super happy that i was able to play a role in that and the big thing for me is that 
if, if we didn't win, it wasn't going to be the end of the world. But the fact that we did win for that group of individuals, for the, for that group of guys and this past year's team, right. I, to me, at least, I think that that's going to stick with them forever. The fact that we were intentional with our visualization and we saw the success. And as a team, we ended up fulfilling that and winning a conference championship. We came together, we figured it out. I think that now that they saw that, they're they're going to believe in themselves going forward, right? If things get hard for them going down the line, yo, let me just like visualize and manifest success and truly believe that I'm going to be successful and in the next couple of weeks like I'm going to see it. Hopefully, that ends up sticking with them throughout life. And the, that's that's my third point. That's my third takeaway. The mind is just in, incredibly powerful and if you believe in yourself, good things will happen. Uh, quick shout out to Mitchell Kirsch, who was on the podcast a couple months ago now, Hoopin' Mitch. You know, when he was on there, we mentioned a slogan that he kind of coined or a term that he, I don't know if he came up with it, but he says it a lot. What Rather than what's the worst that could happen, what's the best that could happen, right? That was something that I mentioned to the guys. What is the best that could happen? Winning a conference championship. And we did that. So the mind is super powerful. And that's probably my third big takeaway. And then on top of that, I do have two bonus points that I want to mention. And the first one being, I think that, let, well, let me start by saying that I, I'm at a small scale, right? Like I'm not a division one, like NCAA division one team. I wasn't a part of that kind of program. I The program that I was a part of was a very good program, um, but it's a community college. It's the YCC, it's USCA division two right? It's a small scale. So I don't want to speak for every single college basketball team out there and every program, of course. But I think that the things that are going on, especially in the program that I've been a part of are good, right? Like there's been success. Players come out of there. Players are successful in there. Teams are successful. But I do think that especially from my experience, as well as from what I hear from others, just small sample sizes here, that practice design could be better. And I say that because a lot of the times, especially me and others who talk to or at other trainers, the issue isn't really necessarily with trainers, right? I think that a lot of times, especially in college systems in America, that college basketball coaches don't optimize their practices. Um, not they, they don't they don't optimize the learning process. They don't utilize the people that they have they don't they don't do the best job with their practice design and i say that because we create robots a lot of the time um and again the last two seasons have been very successful and i'm not saying that that's what we're doing at smcc i'm saying that there are sometimes aspects of that in the program that i've been a part of and i think that it could be better um it's not the worst at all like it's 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 good but I do think that there could be a bigger emphasis on building better decision makers and the way in which that we do that. I think we could be using better methods. We could be using better tools. We could be utilizing the players better. We could be utilizing the practices better. Again, like I talk about this stuff all the time, but we could have used more random practice. We could have used more small sided games instead of just getting spot shots up. There might've been a better way to get reps up, right? I think that personally there's a better way to do it and I'm not going to get too much further into this because I can make this a whole episode if I wanted to and I probably will. Um, but practice design at the college level I think could be better overall. Again, a small sample size from my experience and from what I've heard from others. 
But yeah, practice design could be a little bit better. And I think that we could get more out of these practices for the players personally. And that's what I'll leave it at. Now, the second point is from my experience as a player now and as a coach, I think that, and this this is a blanket statement, in my opinion, for all first-year guys and first-year girls and first-year basketball players in general, um, freshmen in college, you guys are not coming in prepared well enough. You need to recognize that, sure, you might play however many games, 20 games in a, in a high school basketball season and then play AAU and play an absurd amount of basketball games, but you're not preparing yourself to play basically two high school basketball seasons in one season your first year of college right you play a much longer season you have probably triple the amount of uh, practices you have there's just so much more stress on the body and the mind and and i don't think that we're coming in prepared enough as players Um, and some of that is on the coaching staff some of that is on certain different things that are going on in players lives like i don't know but Ultimately, you could probably hold yourself more accountable. I'm talking to players now. Um, like, just come in more prepared, right? If you feel like you're prepared, do more. Like, over-prepare and play against much higher quality and much higher level basketball players. Play against as many college basketball players as you can. If you can hold your own, cool. But, like, why not be better than them? Be more than prepared. Be way more prepared than you even think that you need to be. And I say this because I saw a lot whenever I was a player again and as a coach the past two years, freshmen's bodies just deteriorate. Like, at the Thanksgiving break, we see physically and mentally guys are breaking down. Their bodies like starting to get like ticky tack injuries. They're starting to get jumpers and knees. Starting to get all these different things. And like as a sports performance coach on staff, I was prescribing them jumpers knee protocol. I was prescribing them certain recovery stuff. We have our own AT. Like they were doing rehab work with them. But at the end of the day, you should have been doing your work early, and you should you probably could have prepared better. I'm not saying that you can out train a, a sprained ankle or an ACL obviously like those kind of injuries are a lot of times like we can't prevent them I'm not going to sit here and say that we can bulletproof your ankles or bulletproof your knees I, I don't even like the the term bulletproof because we can't really do that we can't do that with certainty you can prepare yourself better of course but you you can prepare yourself better more times than not and ultimately being in better condition, being in better shape as a whole, being a little bit stronger, being a lot more durable. These are all things that are important. Just overdo it in the summer. And I'm not saying overtrain. I'm saying overprepare. Do it the right way. Figure out how to do it the right way. Talk to the right people. Make sure you come into the college basketball season prepared physically. Mentally, you'll you'll prepare yourself whenever you get there. And you can prepare yourself prior, but it's hard to really emulate a college system and and season until you really get there. Yes, you can can train it before, but whenever you get there, that's whenever you really are able to train mentally. But physically, you can do the work earlier and come in as prepared as possible, right? And I can talk about that more in in a later episode, but for now... Again, just to go over those three takeaways, the first one, trust and buy and equal everything. The second one, film is super important. Start to watch more film, especially in season. Three, the power of the mind is incredible. The mind is way more powerful than any of us can truly comprehend. And then the last two points is as a whole, overall, generally, we could probably 
build better practices. We could design better practices that are way more optimal for our players. And then the last one, first year basketball players in general, both girls and boys, men and women, come in in better shape and better prepared because it's a much longer season than you probably realize. So that is the episode. I appreciate you guys for tuning back in. Thank you for listening as usual. Keep a lookout for Instagram, TikTok, all those kind of things. I'm putting out a lot of content, so I appreciate you guys a lot. Until next week, peace.